If you would, please open up with me in your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2, Pew Bible, page 791. As you're opening up to the book of Haggai, this prophet is talking to a bunch of people who have come home. They made it. They've come back home. And yet, coming back home, things have changed. You know, this happens to Rebecca and myself sometimes. We come from a small town, Fayetteville, Tennessee. I mentioned it, the Peebles, right? The Peebles might not even be there. When we go home, especially myself, I don't get home as often as I should. And when I do, seems like everything has changed again. It's like everything is always changing in my little town, right? From when I was in high school or grade school, you know, even before high school, when I was in middle school or something like that. And now, you know, another gas station? You're, oh, we're getting a Popeye's instead of a Chick-fil-A or, you know, whatever it is. And you think, wow, you know, things are just changing or, you know, some mainstays are gone. Some people are gone. Things change when you go back. That's the feeling that the people of God have when they come home to, to their to their their hometown, their small town, their little place, their place, everything has changed. What changes have happened in your life, recently or not? How did you deal with them? Or how are you dealing with them? As I mentioned to the children, I am a creature of habit. A silly example, aside from the tie, a silly example is when I'm putting up the dishes. Rebecca had the great idea, though I don't think it's great, to move where the measuring cups live. And for some reason, every single time, even though it has been changed longer now than when it was before, I still go to the place where the measuring cups were supposed to be, right? Where they are truly supposed to live. And now it's like, Spices or something. I'm thinking, no, this is the measuring cup home, right? It is incredible. I open that thing every single time. It's stuck. It's stuck. It's so silly. It's so silly. But let me reiterate. I am a creature of habit. But we all are, right? What happens when things change? What happens when they change in your life or in your church's life? What happens? The main point today that we're going to see in Haggai, the first nine verses of chapter 2, is that when things change, God remains the same. This is the mark, the foundation of the Christian that sets us apart from the entirety of the world. It is the thing that separates us. When things change, our God remains the same. And there is much blessing to be found there. It's my prayer for us that we might see such things today. But first, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open up your word and as we see change for your people, Help us to know that we are your people and that this word is timely and for us by the miraculous working of your Holy Spirit. And so God, indeed, bless us. 
Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. This is your word. Help us to treat it with all the importance that that means. Your word for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our main point, remember, when things change, God remains the same. This is Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. In the 17th month, or excuse me, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, it remains forever. Our words go in and out. These words stay. When things change, God remains the same. Two points to help us get there. It couldn't sound quite obvious. First, change happens. Second, God remains the same in comfort, covenant, power, and salvation. We'll see it as we dive in. First, we must acknowledge that things change. Verses 1, 2, and 3. God's people here in chapter 2 have been faithful to the call where they had, in chapter 1, neglected the temple. Now, the temple work is started. To be more specific, the foundation is being laid, where they had looked only to themselves and their own devices. Now they looked at God's intended work. But something's wrong, a little off. Things aren't the same. God actually addresses this explicitly, and he does it with three questions. This is what he asks of his people. Who remembers the old temple? Because remember, I said they came home, right? And if you want to think about the timing of this, there would have been individuals in the midst who had been in Judah, in Jerusalem, when Solomon's temple 
the one that God himself had blessed and descended upon bodily where Solomon made proclamation of the work that his father David had set aside stores for. The one that you look and see in the scriptures. That one. There were people that would have remembered it with, with the sight of their eyes. They were there. It wasn't just a memory. Shared. It was their memory. Who remembers the old temple? What's it look like now? What's it going to look like? You see the foundation. You see the resources you have. What's it going to look like? And which one is going to be better? That's what God says. He, boom, cuts through. And he just asks three hard questions. That old temple was glorious in the people's eyes. I would encourage you, we won't go through it all, look back on the descriptions of the old temple. We are talking not one of the greatest wonders of the world, we are talking the greatest wonder of the world. Every skilled craftsman came and built there were inlaid pomegranates, giant steel basins. There were purple curtains, gold, 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 silver, 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 copper, copper, copper. Everything was there. And it was, in all senses of the word, glorious. Not only was just the pure mechanics of the building incredible, but in the middle of it, were relics, the likes of which we will never see again aside from the very word of God. There was Moses' staff that had, or excuse me, Aaron's staff that had budded. Little almond buds, right? You see that in Numbers chapter 17. There were the Ten Commandments. The ones, right? We have it in the word. It is preserved. The ones, right? The Ark of the Covenant. The one that you couldn't touch because God's presence dwelled so particularly there that you would die coming into direct contact with God himself. It was glorious. What's it look like now? This new one? Ah, it's not going to be as glorious in the people's eyes. The foundation is laid. Well, we got some wood, right? The Lord told us, go chop some wood. We don't have a lot of gold. You know, King Darius isn't really going into the treasure coffers there. He's going to give us the resources, some gold, some nails. I mean, some wood, some nails, but it's not going to be like it was. It can't. Which one do you prefer? It's God's next question. Which one? Answer's obvious, right? I just wish we could be back in the glory days before change. If we just never had to do any of that stuff, it would be better. You sure? Absolutely, I'm sure. What about what God's saying? Doesn't matter, I know. I know, it would be better. I wish we could be back in the glory days. When you ask someone, I try this out. When you ask somebody, what are the glory days? It's very subjective. 
If you ask me what the glory days are, it's not going to be your glory days, right? It's just not. We've got different conceptions of such things. But we all prefer the glory days. But change happens. And when it comes, there is a lot of things that happen too. Remorse, pain, fear, guilt, an unsettling anxiety, not to mention other things. And these are the breeding grounds for sin if we look away from God. When change happens, we must remember, though, that God remains the same. And this is our second point, that he remains the same in comfort, covenant, power, and salvation. These are his words that he uses for his people. In verses 4 through 9, God tells his leaders and his people to be strong. That's what he tells them. He tells the religious leaders, he tells the secular leaders, but it wasn't really secular then because the government was likewise following after the Lord. He tells his people, he tells all of them, be strong. But how? Aren't they weak now? Weren't we just talking about the questions that God asked of them and they're saying, yeah, Lord, it's not the same. Can't we get the glory days or something? Aren't, aren't we weak? How can we be strong? And the answer is that only through the strength of the Lord can we be strong. That is the people of God. You know, think about it like this. Uh, if, if you are, maybe, this is going to be silly, but, you know, if you're in a fight with some, you know, super powerful boxer or MMA guy or something like that, and you say, all right, Jeremiah, go after it. I'm thinking, it's over, Right? I can't be strong. It's over. Unless someone walks in front of me with all of the training of an MMA fighter or boxer or whomever and says, I got this for you. I will fight for you. I'll do it. I'll take the beating and I'll come out victorious. In that, I am strong. My representation wins. In that strength, I am comforted because of what this representation has done for me. And we then move forward. In strength. How can we be strong? Have you ever just tried to be strong? It runs out, right? It always runs out, doesn't it? But in God's strength and unchanging character, God reminds his people of the binding covenant between he and them. Not some silly boxing illustration, but a binding contractual covenant, a promise with consequences that his spirit will remain with his people. He hearkens back to Exodus 
and the covenant that he cuts, I was talking about it with the Ten Commandments, but the law, his deliverance, all of these things, there are actually multiple covenants that are bound up within this, this exodusing time of God's people. The biggest one being the Mosaic Covenant, the one with the law. You obey this, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. But how? How can we do that, God? Be strong. How? I will do it for you, is what God is saying over and over and over. And remember, remember that baseline definition of covenant that I use. And if you try to take this into a seminary class, I'm sure somebody might try to nitpick it. And if you're in that situation, you tell them to come to me and we could talk a little bit. Because baseline, a covenant, is a promise with consequences and God takes all the consequences. An easy way to see it is the rainbow in the sky. Why is it the rainbow flat? It's not science. God made the science behind the rainbow. Why is it curved then? Because it looks like a bow and arrow pulled back into the sky. It's not just a bow and arrow that's not, that doesn't have tension. It's drawn. And he says, if I wipe you out again, remember what he said to Noah? If I do it, pierce me and let me die. He said the same thing to Abraham. He said the same thing over and over to his people. God fulfills his word. And on top of his word, he gives us the promises, the covenants that we might see and be comforted and be strong. And this leads into God's power over all things. Because not only does he call us to be strong and so we see his strength, but we see his power. Verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. But here is the question for us. Are we preparing for, expecting, and awaiting God's shake? God has told us in his word that he is going to shake it. Or are we ones that are so rigid in our own desires that when shook, we shatter? I don't think we are. I don't think we are. All of these things, all of them, they combine in verse 9 into something incredible, unbelievable. He says two things, that is God says two things, and he says them quickly in succession. This temple will be better than the one before. In other words, it will be better than it was, and you'll have peace. I feel like it's one of those moments, God doesn't do this, but it seems as if he says, it's going to be better than it was before. Y'all are going to have peace. Right? And he leaves. Wait, what? what did he just say? That makes no sense. How, God? It's a stop and think about it moment. It's going to be better than it was before. How is this possible? 
How can things be better when things look worse? And if I know that things look worse, how will I ever be at peace with the change or any change? How can I have any peace when it seems like any and everything changes all the time? But God has slammed us with the answer all along. When things change, God remains the same. And God has promised to bring his people home in salvation and glory with his own hands. I mentioned going home to Fayetteville. Home. That is not my home. It's not my home when I come back to Columbia. That is not my home. God tells us that we are sojourners. That we are temporarily here with a mission. Do you really want to stay here forever? Look around. I talked to y'all this last week. You know how much pain there is in our congregation? And I'm not even talking about some of the obvious. We are sojourners here. Praise God for it. Because our heavenly home is a place where people don't die because that's gone. Where there is no suffering or tears or mourning or pain or frustration or anger or miscommunication or misunderstanding or tragedy or tumult or chaos or evil, it's all gone when we get home. But we aren't there yet. And God is telling us something in the middle. He's telling us that you can have peace now in the Lord Jesus Christ whose work is already done. He is sitting on his throne in heaven. Where is Jesus? I can tell you. He is sitting on his throne in heaven, reigning and ruling supreme over all things. He has made the heavens and the earth his footstool. He has led death in a victory parade in chains. And it took a lot of work to get there. The God of the universe. He came to earth needy, human, suffering all the things that I just mentioned. He suffered them like us and yet without sin. 
and he answered them for us. And then gave us the righteousness that we need to get out of here. That is good news. And it is urgent news that we must tell others about. While we have time, because time is short. And we must share the good news. Change is happening. We'll have to work through that. Nevertheless, and in the midst of it all, God's unchanging presence is remaining and sustaining and defending and commending and upholding and enfolding his people, us, right now. Look to God. Beware of sin. Be aware of God's working. And let's do it in unity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come to you uh, weary. And so, God, keep working in and through us and by us. Help us to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the very thing that sustains us, you. God, thank you. We don't deserve the things we have, and you've given it to us anyways. And so we sing your praises now, in Jesus' name, amen.